All right, everyone, welcome back to the Geospatial Index. Um, we have a special guest, Mabeen Hannard. Uh, he's a GIS manager in the industry here in the UK. Thanks, Will. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, the format we've sort of gone for um, is that you interview me first and you've got a set of questions um, and then I'll uh, turn around and um, I've got a set of questions for you. Is What's the best geospatial networking event you've ever attended? Um, okay, so I've not necessarily attended a huge amount. Uh, I only got into GIS 2017. Um, uh, this is my first, it was my first job um, after university, but I had to give out the the Esri conference um, a shout out. It's a good, it's a, it is a good conference, although it is like the, the standard GIS conference. Um, I think it is a good conference as well because it, it brings together everyone in 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 the industry that's particularly in London uh, into the same space and they are showcasing what they're working on and it's great to be able to know what people are doing in similar sort of situations, how they've attempted to um, solve problems, what they've done, what they've been able to build, essentially with the same tools that you have at your disposal. I mean, it's especially at an Esri place, everybody's going to be using Esri software. so. Um, yeah, and and who they've been able to help you get like a plethora of of collaborations. You get people working with River Trust, with police, with local communities, with big corporations, etc. Like the solutions that are being made are just helping all sorts and all all different types of people. So in that sense, it's very inspiring. Yeah, no, I, I've been to an Esri. I went to Esri User Conference in San Diego, 2015, and it was life changing experience in a way. Um, also in London, there's GeoMob, which I really encourage people to to check out. Um, yeah. And the smallest one of all is London MapUp. London <laughs> MapUp, of course. Yes. <laughs> anyway, just I was almost thinking, what's that? I've heard of that one. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> what's that? <It's> just... <laughs> no. Oh God, I have to do a better job of promoting. <laughs> I yeah, I'm sure it would, I'm sure it would get some traction. Let's see. Um, so you imagine you've just been to one of these amazing networking events um, and you're all inspired. Um, so then the next day you win Powerball and you have a billion pounds to set up the world's best geospatial firm. So what happens in the first hundred days? Okay, that is a great question. It really tests. It really tests me on how I'm, how much I know about building a billion pound firm. <laughs> Well, you've already um, got the billion pounds. You just need to make it into a wicked firm. <laughs> yes, yes. I think initially, like, I think initially I would go for, um, it may be seem seem like a a left field decision, but it may be to to buy land in a cheap and cold place so that I can host the data. So data warehouses. Great answer. Great answer. Um, yeah, I, I don't that. know. There's obviously ways you can just rent instances um, on Amazon or Microsoft or on one of these other big tech firms. But I think to be able to get an, like, obviously, if you've got a billion pounds and you're going to spend it, you want to get some return. You want to be able to keep, and, and part of the question is, this is to be the best geospatial uh, company so to host and own the data that you yeah. own 
definitely is probably very important to to making sure that that is successful i mean like nowadays everyone knows like it's it's almost like we were conned into it but it's like oh my god like facebook owns our data and it's like that was the plan like it was to always build huge huge data sets and own it so and i think so i think yeah that that would be my first that would be my first step uh and it would probably be quite a bit of quite a bit of money to take that but that's the idea of having like cheapish land in a somewhere cold it's not going to be necessarily like an attractive place so you might save a bit of money there with land um, possession but yeah uh i think then next i would just probably work upon like producing and acquiring bespoke data spare data sets that get made available via subscriptions um continue to do deals like that to just yeah. keep acquiring data sets mm. creating data sets um that that, that are bespoke um to be able to offer that and yeah i guess that goes beyond the 100 days because that would be a continuous mission to mm. just essentially have everything as a no, but i like it you're going you're going for the right foundation there um and it's similar to esri you want to have the data sets and the subscriptions of to those that underpin as much of the industry as you can mm. sounds like what you go for i think that's yeah it's it's, it's a it's a little steal from the old um the world atlas or whatever they call it but uh, it's a very smart idea what they've got there because it's 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 made available and obviously making people subscribe to it as well like um it's all part of income but um and then i think because it's 100 days and i think well it's not necessarily my business that the business would exist for only 100 days but i think it's important to build a foundation in the governments so my next my next step would be to look at supporting like local national governments and working initially like straight away to sort of create and maintain spatial data bases on like their high priority services so things like public infrastructure public services transport links like demographics commercial property water body like all those yeah. sort of things um to really build up a network and understanding of like what those local governments national governments have it's just it's basically building your society in data yeah and yeah. Oh, i love that that phrase. yeah yeah i love I that think, phrase yeah a, a societal digital twin mm, yeah and I, I think that would be my mission within the first 100 days it would be to essentially build a, a data store data warehouse and then go for the governments I love it. <laughs> no, yeah this sounds like a very sensible play yeah. Um, especially when you're operating at that scale um, and that's where you know the majority of um, spending comes from um, in our industry um, so yeah no, that sounds sensible and I yeah, like but the, then, yeah. again like it is even though that sounds a lot of billion pounds um, <laughs> by the end of that I'd probably run out of money I agree you could yeah. very quickly yeah especially going to you know going towards governments like you're going to have to spend a lot more just to talk to them um but i think that would be the way that would be my ethical way of wanting to take a an approach to building a company that's going to it's got a lot of money and it's it's wanting to do good so yeah yeah i was thinking you could also sort of sell a best practice schema for a government gis if you know what i mean yeah like you could almost just have like your template for 
all of the different ministries that the government might have and the geospatial element of those. And it's just like they can just buy the bolt on for each ministry sort of thing. And it's all just integrated. It's all um, updated. All the standards are updated from a single point. You know, it's upgraded it's on a same use, schedule. Yeah. And it's just like propagates across all of the governments globally that have subscribed to it. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's just easy for them. You know what I mean? Because it's just like they don't have to think about, you know, spending six years coming up with their own standards. And if if the company was global and had enough government subscribers, then you genuinely and through you know annual conferences conferences or whatever continuous process of improvement, um, you could genuinely say to them, we're literally continually collating best practices that then are fed into our latest schema um, and data model, if you like, um, and all the attendant um, things that hang off of that. Yeah, I mean that's just a perfect world, right? That is, there's all governments working together on it under under the same scheme of it. I'm sensing a thing here for us geospatial people. <laughs> we don't we don't really care about all these little little governments. No, we don't want to work together. We do, yeah. One planet at a time, guys. One planet at a time. Come on. I know, right? People are thinking in countries. We got to think in planets. Yeah, like, what's this? It's too small. <laughs> but yeah, that would be my approach for a billion pound. Yeah. All right. So leading on from that, um, another thing such a business may wish to sell um, is really mind boggling visualizations. So um, what are some uh, incredible maps or special visualizations um, that you would learn from that maybe you think should be in art galleries um, that you'd also like to um uses a starting off point to really for this business to sell um uh, amazing uh visual special visualizations this is a good question this is a good question because um because it be, now it's touching into the topic of art and that is just visually pleasing stuff you know um and it, it has to it has to go along a theme so some maps that I possibly would have in an art gallery. I mean, there's like, I can't remember the name of it, but like that first map where you've got two two sort of circles. Uh, it's probably from like the 1400s or something like that. But you know, it's got like Britannia at the top and things like that. It's got decorated. I think that would that would be a staple to put into um, to an art gallery. I think secondary, secondly, like. It may already be in there. I can imagine there's a similar sort of art piece, but something that has either our solar system or because solar system would be difficult. You need, you need a big room, but or maybe just the Earth to the Moon, like an, an an actual to scale of spatial space between these celestial bodies that are in our single solar system. Um, I'd love that. It'd be cool yeah. to walk around in a room. And see how far Pluto is and how small oh, it yeah, is compared just, to yeah. the sun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to sign a waiver beforehand, sort of thing. Like, make sure you don't have like Oops, I heart into the... or something. Yeah, like you, you, you know, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be walking for like forty minutes or something. I don't know, but if you, depending on the scale and whatever how you do it, but if you want to make it so that the planets look dramatic and like a visually pleasing thing, uh, so that they're not just little pins, then yeah. you would need a huge space. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would go to the point of like those types of installations. Um, that would be a cool little 
Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be. I think it would be very like education as well. Like people really get an understanding of like where things are. Like I mean, that is like our well, Esri's tagline, like the science of where. But like where things are and like how far away it is when you look into the night sky. Like even the moon. Like it's not just out there. Like it's it's hundreds thousands of miles away, and and to be able to like it, as a number like you just sort of think okay hundreds of thousands of miles away but like when you sort of are able to visualize it you get a real understanding of not but not just like how big a hundred thousand miles is but like how big a mile is and then that helps you be be a bit more locally on like where you are in your space and like what's around you like i think it can help to do that so i think art should obviously have some element of it should be a talking point you should have it should be thought-provoking so yeah it would be around that sort of stuff but then like maps and things like that is that the question um what maps would i have in an art gallery yeah it's basically trying to sort of for for those who don't care about gis who can't Mm. help but be amazed yeah unquestionably staggering yeah i mean because again i think like art should definitely be thought-provoking it should definitely have like it should tell you a story and the thing with with like when you take the topic of maps like the story is is always agended it's always biased so you absolutely you need to yeah you, you you need to be able to show like the clear bias in what you're gonna be exhibitioning so i would that's have a like, huge point yeah i would have multiple of the world maps just on different projections you know you got like macarta and things like that. it's just like all next to each other or just like africa or something like that just showing it on different projections just so that people can just see like well which one is real like this is the one i recognize but this is also africa this is africa like yeah. you know just sort of like get them to sort of i guess kind of like re- like disintegrate remove like their belief of what they know yeah. to get an understanding of like this is what is also like considered what yeah. you see so i think that would be yeah. what i would hang in an art gallery it would definitely be something to to disrupt what is common belief of spatial information it wouldn't just be say like this is something pretty look at this nice map mm. yeah yeah no that's a great answer and i i liked you picking up on the idea of bias um and agendas because i think that's us little mapping people um mm. we're, we're often paid to do what we do by very powerful organizations who have definitely got an agenda yeah um, and the classic one is the national map like showing you know the, the boundary of a of a state again to get back yeah. to <laughs> our, oh yes <laughs> yeah anyway no okay all right so your billion pound uh world's best geospatial firm is starting a data center in alaska um yeah <laughs> you are then seeking to dominate um all of the governments with subscription services excellent stuff um and you've got some ideas about incredible visualizations um that you can do with uh the data in your data center um so suddenly uh well you've been so successful that um you've made your way actually to becoming earth's first president um <laughs> president so of the Earth. since <laughs> you are a geospatial analyst as well how do you redraw Gosh. the world map to heal humanity? This is Futurama stuff, you know, like Earth President. <laughs> oh, well, I actually... have definitely watched too much Futurama in my yeah. in my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't quite take on the role of Nixon. I'll I'll try and be a good one. <laughs> but 
to be honest um it's touching back on like what you were talking about earlier um um about that uh that guy what was it with the gaia what was he uh, Globaya, uh, Globa- uh yeah felix Ferrand. yeah um i mean i am president of the earth so i guess my word would just be commanding uh it doesn't really matter too much if i change minds i guess they just have to listen but <laughs> to be not so dictatory <laughs> um it would be based upon something like that like if my company has been able to build upon its spatial data network and things like that and be able to show infrastructure of all countries of all local governments and national governments it would be around showing our human footprint and it's, it's, i'm not trying to copy or steal but that mm. would I think that's the best way to illustrate the point of like, especially when you're when you're addressing the you know the earth, the, the countries of the earth as well and the leaders of the earth, um, it would be to show like where 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 everything where where all the relationships are, basically. Um, road networks, especially sea travel, I think like that's always <laughs> overlooked. Sea and air travel, I mean I can't remember the website, but there was this website where it just shows like every sea track um, wow. going on. I, I'll have to find it and I'll have to send it to you one day. Cause, yeah, and it's there's just also ones for flats. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's amazing. Um, I, I think I should, I, I think I should fess up actually, because it was actually a leading question. Um, essentially, what I'm getting at with the question is, is our profession actually damaging humanity in some way with our world maps of all of the worlds, especially the political maps, um, with all of these boundaries. And you could say, you can make the case, I think, quite easily that a, a national boundary actually is good. Um, it gives, you know, um, something that um, a, a territory where a certain set of rules apply you know, for example, mm, yep. democratic ones. Yes, <laughs> at yes. least at least that section of the population has been protected from dictators. But I'm just wondering, and maybe I, I, I confess it is a leading question. I, I am sort of implying that there is something to be healed by redrawing the world map. Um, yeah. Is that is that true, or or am I wrong there? Is is there something that a, a Earth's first president could could look at there? That could be expressed geospatially to bring it back to <laughs> i mean you just if if you're going if you're going to go of the approach of just remove all boundaries like 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 nation borders and things like that is that the sort of approach you would like to think of healing yeah i'm wondering if geospatial as earth's first president and a geospatial analyst if there's something that you could do geospatially to contribute to world peace, mm. as cliches as cliched as it is to be asking this question, but genuinely, I, um, yeah, how could geospatial do that? What role could it play? Uh, well, it, it, it's uh, I can't really answer it just on a geospatial sort of like impartial, objective way. I'd I'd have to have it like subjectively, like. I don't, I don't think if we, if, if a, a map was redrawn without borders, it would have a healing effect. Yeah. I think it could possibly have an opposite effect. Yeah, sure. In a way, because 
borders are not just visually they're in people's minds and brains and their cultures and things like that and and actually borders can provide a bit of a safety net especially when you're able to see like that sort of stuff i know obviously it it perpetrates a this a them versus us like mentality like just instantly yeah but yeah I, maybe it's a maybe it's my own pessimist view but like i think a, a world without although like yeah i obviously i i do believe like we shouldn't well well yeah i do like in a perfect world i would believe like borders are just not good thing we should have freedom of travel etc around the world and we should all get on but um when it comes to actually the practice and reality like, i don't think it necessarily works so well yeah i i have um some maps could i just yeah. share my screen again just yeah, for a minute yeah. to get extra context um I, I agree with you that it could definitely create a whole storm of of wars and, and fighting yeah to remove all of the borders but I think some border, not all borders are created the same. And um, you can really tell I'm a, I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is, and you were talking about Africa. Mm. So this is before European colonization, um, 7th to 16th century on the left. Um, this is European territorial claims, um, 1914. And this is after the colonial era, 45 to, to, to 90. And then you've got Sudan here that's since yeah. been split, you know, the usual story. Um, but I, I guess where I, for the, this is an example of how, because some borders everybody agrees with and they have a personal relationship with. Um, others have been imposed. Um, and to me, the current state of these borders matches more closely the European territorial era, or colonial era, than the pre-colonial era. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's, I guess, what I... Sorry, I I didn't fully unpack all of the details of that question. No, I I I no, you, I think I was looking at it maybe basically just just on a like static map, right? This is it. But of course, there's like historical reasons why these borders are are put up, and you're you're probably onto the. I mean, at least language-wise, like those countries, that's a great way to split Africa up. I mean, it's not a great way to split Africa up. <laughs> Because they'll have their native languages there, but like there will be a dominant, like a French speaking or a, an English speaking uh, country where that is like partly the national thing. But it's really, it's really tricky. I mean, as a, as, as, as Earth president, I have to be diplomatic <laughs> with these things. And I think disrupting too much just to try and put in a, a an, an education of like what is actually the underlying truth of like what makes up these countries it's just it's just violent really it's just it's just not going to actually heal much um yeah, yeah because they're, they've got their own things really <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy to to be able to say i mean yeah all right well, it, I, yeah i don't wanna, i don't want to box you into a corner at all <laughs> yeah. interesting to it's a it's a thorny topic <laughs> it definitely know. is it definitely is. Maybe beyond the powers even of of of, of a president for us. Maybe maybe we, we will we will need the aliens for that one. Maybe I mean <laughs> to galvanise us all. <laughs> I wouldn't mind delving further. Maybe if we were just in the pub, but on the podcast, it's just it's just I feel hot. <laughs> yeah, sure, no, I agree. It's, it's difficult territory. Mm.
All right. Um, so one thing you were talking about before was um, different uh, projections or ways of visualizing a continent. Um, so related to that, um, Makeda has un done untold damage, one could say, to public understanding of the size of countries. So which projection do you choose to fix this and what will you do to convince school book publishers and Google Maps um, to, to, uh, to, to get on board? I love that. I love that question. Can we just... Can we just just state that again how badly Makata has done it's just just for the world like it's just ruined it no one has an idea of what is what and how the size of things it's just oh it's abysmal and I can't believe it's so old I, I can't believe it's like 600 years old and it's just still used today in like modern like technology like that's what the one we go to I just it's 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 done very well for itself but it's it's, it's it is a poison to, to me, that one good. thing says how inadequately our profession is serving humanity. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that is it is very true because like even even like in our day to day jobs, it's so hard to like convince people and things like this that this is like this is an important thing. Um, and you can base everything like if you have everything if you, if you just basically have like everything as a, a GIS foundation, like you just get a like a more accurate and under better understanding of like what you're doing what it is you're doing so yeah um down with Makata basically but <laughs> without swearing so um yeah it's it's done it's it's I mean people will think like I'm, if, if you if you listen to that conversation as a novice people will be like what what is this? what's wrong with the map like and maybe not quite get to the grips and understanding of like what it has done but yeah and, and like we say it's a total agendered bias map it it's it's to yeah, me I think it, it's the northern hemisphere it benefits the northern hemisphere yeah yeah oh yeah entirely i think uh, it was made for shipping or something like that but yeah it's just know. for straight lines like it makes navigation easy when you're um it, it came from the age of exploration um if that's yeah. what the correct term and you could easily plot a straight line and navigate on that straight line between two points and like you can totally understand how um people would fixate on that um, yes. Given that you know the way the world is these days is an expression of the success success of that era of navigation, um, but I, I think the best way to characterise the damage is that um, Greenland looks like it's the same size as Africa and bigger mm. than Australia when yeah. it's like one fourteenth the size. Yeah. And I mean, Russia. That, yeah. 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 I mean that and, and Antarctica is just because the Antarctica one is this is to me it's one of the, it's the worst thing about it like Greenland Africa like yes is uh they're out of proportion but uh when we have a conversation of how much ice is melting in Antarctica and people look at it and think well there's just so much there like it's clearly the biggest landmass on the planet oh, I've never it's like that. no it's not it's 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 only slightly bigger than Australasia like it's not we're not you know it's not a massive s source of ice just because it looks like that at the bottom of the screen. I, I mean, never if there's... thought about that. Yeah, that's. I I feel like that is possibly the most damaging thing. If I could, I think I maybe have the tab open. Like, if I could share my screen yeah, yeah. on it. So um, you're saying it essentially affects people's understanding of the consequences of climate change. That well, yeah, that's in in an, in a to to take it to like a contemporary like teaching of what it is it's doing. I would say yeah, that's possibly something that it's it could be having because people will people will look at this map and just go like oh yeah that's that's right because look at look at the size of this thing look at this right. this is yeah. you can fit all of the land mass yeah. of asia 
Europe in here. Yeah. It's just not true. This yeah. thing is only just bigger than Australasia. Yeah. You know? You, you would never realize that. You wouldn't. I, I didn't know that. No, wow. You'd, yeah, you'd sit there and think, wow, it's huge. It's like. And the same could, for Greenland. It looks like there's yeah. another huge sheet of ice up it, there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, this, that is obviously, we should state that. That's the problem with the Makata projection is that the the poles are ex- exceptionally distorted and and really stretched whereas the sort of center area is sort of shrunk in um yeah how it's continued as like our main uh map and projection is just it's beyond me but okay so i can yeah i just come back <laughs> now that was a good uh, a good um accompaniment yeah yeah to the question. yeah and and that and that's what I, that's what i think like the the question Sorry, you stated was um, well. How do we basically the, get dump, people the damage on board? to public understanding? That is that is what I believe. Like the damage to public understanding, people do not understand like genuine land mass size. Another yeah. one for me, it's like it's the power aspect as well. Like because it, it's easy to associate a large area or a large with um, power, yeah. and um, you know all. Russia especially looks is already massive, but it looks even bigger because of this distortion. And the same with the US um, and China and yeah, yeah um, the the countries below the the equator um, not so large. So I and there was actually a West Wing episode about this um, yeah this problem yeah 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 I was so, reading about that as well. I think they were saying like they they want to change the maps basically. Did you, did you watch that episode? Is that something you've seen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind yeah, of like but, a classic thing in our in our industry. So I want to cover mm, it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd I'd like to see that episode. Now I was touched on it, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind checking that out. See what their arguments for, and how it sort of all concluded and panned out. I've never actually watched watched The West Wing. I think it was a bit before my time, but <laughs> yeah, it is quite funny that that they uh, that they decided to take that that route as a as one of the episodes. But yeah, it's, um. So in, in so, summary, it sounds like your 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 argument in favour or, or against the Mercator projection once and for all is that it diminishes our understanding of climate change um, and makes it look like it uh, doesn't properly communicate the fragility of Antarctica or of the poles. Yeah, it, it just it just doesn't help public understanding of of their world, of their of where of of, of the idea of land mass, of the idea yeah. of like vastness, extensiveness. Um, how it, you know, because you it, from 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 a Makata projection of of habitable land on on that, you look at it and you say like, well, we could apply everything here and there, but these places are massive. They're so so big, mm. so it just doesn't help people to get an understanding of like why things are where they are and how they've been able to succeed. Because mm. a lot of the reason why societies are like developed in like the Western world is to well, not a lot of the reasons, but one of the reasons is like. It's not such a big landmass. It's yes. it's actually easier to be able to put these things in place. That is you, a very you, interesting yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, but when you take take this huge landmass, it's it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. So it doesn't help in that sense. So like to to go on to the next part of the question, like what would I prefer to have um, as a projection? I mean, it's just the classic like either the gal peters or the robinson projection like they're just a bit more like realistic i mean there's obviously still some distortion it's hard to get a a perfectly accurate map and 
guess it does need to be it, it needs some visual pleasing especially like if you're going to be using it in google maps so i think it's hard to go like that but at least that gives an understanding of like a little bit better on like mass size of 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 um of continents on this yeah. planet yeah um, essentially then, to squeeze the the map the top and the bottom yeah bit, so, yeah pretty much and then just extenuate the middle because yeah so that's what the girl this one does right yeah yeah it that, sort of that, makes it tends everything. to make it quite long yeah yeah or, or that's, high, yeah <laughs> i think yeah and that's the thing it like that's what's so visually displeasing about that map yes. because but it's because we've we're so used to a makata projection that when you see it when it's that actually well. like yeah when it looks real that's what it looks like you're like oh, this just looks wrong and that's that is a problem because it's more accurate right we, we, we're in such a way now that the more accurate and like actual rational look at it doesn't look right yeah. that's a trouble that's a problem but um okay so how i would try and like get schools and google maps to take this on i mean <laughs> it's a tricky one to, for google maps i think i just i would just try and say to them i'd go on the on the argument of integrity like it's like you're providing a, a service like do you want to do you want to have integrity on it because what you're providing is mm. is not accurate um in terms of projection um that would be one of my ways to go about it i mean it's, it's it, i don't think it's difficult for them to be able to actually change their projection because it's only one thing that they have to change and it's just it's rolled out everywhere um so if they if they want to be an accurate um uh, an accurate company that gives away good information accurate information then yeah. that would be my argument for them I agree. Yeah. Um, Simple. Simple. Yeah. Less than accuracy. I agree. Yeah. I think they would actually possibly listen and take that in. It's. I. But again, I don't think they don't know this already. Uh, to me, that just comes across as laziness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it is laziness, but it's also like, it's also just how we have this this culture that the Mercator projection is the world map. So like, if you try and build. If you try and if, if if you and I, for example, we set up our own company like exactly the same footprint as google maps people would look at the map and like it just looks weird that's like their first instant reaction they just be like well this just looks weird i just don't get it because it's just not it's just not mm. like basic understanding and common knowledge that like this is what mm. this is a better a representation of what you're looking at mm. basically when, when in fact the makeda projection itself is a weird map <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is <laughs> it doesn't look anything like what it what well, any it, of these countries look like it's for a remarkably uh, specific and uncommon use case these days of someone setting out on a four-masted wooden ship for a multi-month yeah. voyage. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even the UK looks quite big on the MacArthur project. So, like, it's, it's I don't think it's that big in in real life. It's it's quite a small, but it looks like a good like good sizable landmass. But yeah, yeah. schools is is just tricky. I mean, like. It's all funding. It's not just one simple solution to change. It's it's a bit more expensive. It's actually probably more expensive to change school education than it is to help to change Google's thing. Um, but if with it with, with an unlimited supply of money, or if I had that billion pounds <laughs> on the Powerball, I guess I would just I would just go towards funding um, changing all the maps in in uh, textbook textbooks and 
maps that are on walls, etc., and just a new syllabus for that. And that would be the way forward, I think. Yeah. If you just throw money at it, it would probably help because I think yeah. that's all. I mean, that's how you build a syllabus. You buy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Okay. Sounds like a, a nice systematic approach. Um, and yeah, I appreciate your reasons there. Okay. Um, so we're carrying on a, a theme here from uh, between the interviews. Um, so what's your favorite map of the Anthropocene? My favorite map of the Anthropocene. Is that just is that just from 1950 onwards? Yeah, or just ways to visualize um, this new epoch after the the Holocene. Um, so I suppose the classic one of the Holocene was that that was the new hole basically after the ice sheets melted, as far as I can recall. Um, so a classic one of that might be somehow visualizing, yeah, the the receding of the the ice bridges between you know Russia and Alaska or you know Australia and New Guinea mm. um what what might you do to express the Anthropocene or what is a good existing map of it I hope I'm not asking another leading question <laughs> I feel like you might be <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm a bad interviewer well I mean, personally, like, I quite like, well, I don't like them, but the heat maps of, uh, of, of the world, um, yeah, it's not like a personal favorite, but I think it's an important one when you're talking about the Anthropocene. Um, you obviously need a comparison map, yeah. so you can pick one from whatever epoch to just show the differences of mainly the heat like the increase in the poles and the increase around the equator um if you're going to be political about it that's that's a good one i think as is because it's you know climate change based I, I think that would be one that i would um i like but i i've always liked uh light like light, light networks mm. and things like that um, build up of those things, especially in w what's called like developing countries now, like, you know, India, Korea, things like that, where it's just like, you know, the 60s or whatever, 70s, and boom, like 10 years later, like, there's just like lights everywhere. Um, I think those are some of my favorite maps. Yeah. Um, I think I saw the road network one of Australia actually, couple, well, maybe sometime last year I did a presentation on maps um just like a basic one and yeah just to be able to see like again I, I love I love the relationship between like where things are like and you can just see where cities are built you just see where people are like how they're situated and then like sort of you know you can just you can look at the the center of Australia and you can count the sort of roads because there's so few and it just gives you a, an instant understanding yeah. that like well, people aren't there, like you know, and you just get and you can get you, you you just personally you can just sort of think then like what would be there for people not to be there sort of thing, and what wouldn't be there so people aren't there, and and then you you just get a great understanding of like space and and relation <laughs> and and things like that. So yeah, when in terms of anthropic like um, characteristics and things like that then it's it's light it light ones road networks yeah. and uh, possibly the heat maps as well 
yeah, I like the heat one too. Um, yeah, that basically is it, really. You know, yeah, that's yeah, kind of the consequence quite, of all of it. Mm, it's pretty bold. It's 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 stark. It's just it's got one message, and um, it's it's frightening as well. But it's it's a it's it's funny to say that it's a good map. It's a good map to like illustrate like what's going on in our times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you think about it, it's kind of scary that we're even talking about this. Like, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the thing is, is just like it's not affecting those. I remember a few years back, I, was, I think it was when I was at university and I was at some sort of lectures and like refugees was like a big topic. And basically it was like war refugees based upon those. Mm. And I just remember like either a lecturer saying like something like, yeah, there's a lot of displacements of these war refugees and like, you know, certain countries have taken in a million people and that's like... Mm. But I do remember ma- that was something yeah. everyone was discussing a while ago, yeah, especially yeah, when they're going yeah, into I, Europe, yeah, yeah, from from Middle East, yeah, yeah, I think it was Syria, yeah, um, but it's that's when I was in Kuwait, <laughs> right? <laughs> the other side of it, the bre- Brexit happened when I was in Kuwait. The vote, Jesus, right? Ah, uh, but yeah, I think it was yeah, I think it was the Middle Eastern, yeah, refugees. But I just remember him just saying something like, "Well." this is a sort of manageable output like of refugees because once because war is sort of man-made but like once once you have climate refugees Uh this is this is this is this is they're leaving places that aren't just like destroyed they're inhospitable you can't Mm -hmm. live there they're underwater they're barren nothing grows and you're and the places where they will come from are exceptionally, well, not except, I wouldn't say exceptionally, but they are, the, they could be poor countries with densely population, with dense populations. Yeah. And a climate refugee is, is, is going to be sort of 10 times the amount of like a war refugee. Right. And I they're just going to, yeah. And they're just going to have to come to hospitable areas. It's not like we can fund, we can, even if even if we wanted even if like western governments wanted to and they were like well it's fine we'll just give you 600 700 billion pounds just build your infrastructure after the war etc trillions of pounds like it's still inhospitable nothing grows there so they can't live there anymore so they have to come to hospitable places places where they can live and then it just everything becomes more dense so that's an even bigger problem so when you look at the heat maps and things the 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 places where that it's really getting hotter are places that don't necessarily have good infrastructure to be able to defend and mitigate against these things they are just possibly slowly and and it's not just heat like there's a good book by bill mcguire who's like um, a ucl um uh, lecture called waking the giant and it's basically it's like how like an increase in temperatures is just going to trigger um natural hazards like earthquakes yes um hurricanes um tsunamis yeah, we're seeing the, evidence of that with all these fires yeah. the latest being in wildfires Hawaii. exactly i mean we get that we we had like an earthquake tremor in the uk like last year or something like that it's just like we've this is like we have tornadoes and things like that. We, we're getting slow like i mean there's small examples but there are some examples of what would be classed as extreme weather but then the east coast of like the united states every year there's a there's a hurricane and mm. 
and this is like the initial sort of sites of those sort of things. Um, like Hawaii right now, it says experienced like a horrible wildfire. And again, it's 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 possibly a country that didn't have like defenses yeah. in place for yeah. this sort of stuff. And that's the trouble, like the more and more natural hazards occur, the more they'll go to places that don't have defenses, that don't have like a plan in place to stop this sort of stuff. Mm. So yeah. that's when you get so climate refugees. Yeah, and, and coupled with um, high population density, I guess it implies that, um, yeah, the, the consequences of, of changing climate um, could be multiplied. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or they're multiplied over uh, a, a, a huge, a significant proportion of humanity. Yeah. And I, I never realised before, but you're right. Um, yeah, there could be... Um, refugees and migration of an unprecedented scale yeah 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 and it would be it would be instant you know mm. it would yeah. be suddenly in it like especially an example of a flooding or a natural hazard like just destroying something mm. because again like the tectonic scale is it's, it doesn't have a limit <laughs> you know we, we could still experience massive massive earthquakes super earthquakes that just rip through so, I, I mean this is speculation. I don't really, I'm not a geophysicist and, <laughs> and like, and I don't know if climate change is necessarily affecting higher intensity earthquakes, but it's, 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 there's been evidence lately of like big 9.1, like earthquakes that are occurring more frequently like to today. Yeah, I'd like to see a chart. Okay. I, I, right. There is this app called Quake Feed. Um, I used to have it. I don't have any more. I had it a lot at university because I was studying a lot of physical geography, a lot of um, those sorts of stuff. Um, and it just it just it's just a database that just like gives you information of every earthquake that's happening around the world every time. There's earthquakes all the time, like but they're like 1.2, 2.4, whatever, etc. And things like that. I think I used to get notified when it was above six, but that will have a database of like, you know, it possibly showing you like a a distribution of possibly more higher tectonic um or sorry uh higher earthquakes on a richter scale that like, occurring at a higher rate and i guess it doesn't need to be so huge but if it's if it's happening in a higher frequency that's sure. less time for people to rebuild sure. less time for you know a, a respite mm, that's also a good point mm. yeah i was just having a quick google about the link and i found uh between climate change and earthquakes and i found something from nasa um but yeah the, they said it's complicated. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's an angle I hadn't thought of either. Okay, yeah. Well, so there's some some good coverage there um, overall of the broad population scale um, and regional impacts of of the Anthropocene and and how um, maps or geospatial could um, characterize um, its consequences. So, yeah, I think that's a good response. Um, another broad population scale um, as we get to, towards the end of these questions um, uh, phenomenon was uh, or issue recently was covered um so did geospatial really help in the covered response I'm wondering if you have any brief brief observations about that it's a provocative it's a, question it's a it's a, it's a great question it is provocative as well but and, and it, it depends on how you mean help i mean yeah we were able to see like covid like, across the world um in great in great dashboards and things like that but like emphasis on the help yeah it's like the collaborations and, and like sharing of data like 
sort of the expertise the expertise and like technology um it needed to like be sort of expanded to use geospatial techniques i think i, to, I like, think there was a huge team behind that dashboard um and it was a big struggle for them and they had mm. to verify all of the data before they just put it up they didn't just randomly accept whatever data was given to them by whatever government you know was reporting on their statistics and um yeah i didn't realize i just you know thought you know they'd get a bunch of web feeds from yeah health departments only, around the world it was that simple to just stick apis in and then bang you've got your bespoke data dashboard and things like that but um yeah it's just in in response to helping COVID, I think it did help us understand like the infection um, movement and things like that. I it's, it's a long time ago now. I take my it's weird to say that, but it, it COVID was three years ago, and it's I have to take myself back to you know our responses and and it, it was I think in in. It, in in the sense of it being a pandemic like it's hard to be in front of it so we were always just sort of maybe a yard or two behind or just like sort of like being able to just track rather than having a, having a way to respond and react but um yeah I, it it <laughs> help i think it, it it helped us to to see the 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 virus um yeah maybe it's, in a way you, that we didn't have back in during spanish flu yeah years before yeah um yeah okay so I'll, I think I'll take be, yeah. it as it, it did <laughs> it did yeah because be able to see like big big i uh, i guess i'll i guess it's more like our responses weren't necessarily helpful sometimes like yeah. uh, you know um but yeah, we were able to see like hotspots. We were able to see, yeah. I mean, you know, that app, the NHS app that would ping you and say like, you know, you've been in contact. Like that's, yeah. that is GIS and it's a great, great use yes. and exercise of yes. GIS. Um, it's, 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 it was, a, uh, it was a good app. I mean, you know, people have their issues of, of constantly and being tracked. And there were a few of those but, too. Yeah, like there, when I was in Qatar um, and during uh late 2020 early 21 and they also had an app a similar one that notified you and mm. yeah you had to stay indoors um, or, or isolate yourself mm. if it told you yeah okay so I, and that probably yeah. did help that probably yeah. did help because people would listen to that and they would isolate and shield themselves when they were infectious so yeah. okay. we did have some good examples of helpful yeah yeah all right i'll, I'll put a tick against that one <laughs> All right. Okay, so final question. Um, in the UK, it's possible to do a geospatial apprenticeship. Um, so what character traits, skills, ambitions and the like um, would you recommend someone have um, if they want to do this apprenticeship? Nice. I think you got to be you got to be looking to want to make a story. Because you're playing with data a lot. Um, and you need I think that's it's good to have that as an end goal, like no matter what it is that you're going to be working in, you need to be able to have the ability or it's good to have that skill, the ability to be able to tell a story with with ones and zeros. Um, I think that's I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily the best storyteller, and I also, but I think I can recognize that that is like. That is really what helps 
people in data to help because data isn't a decision making tool it's a decision making sort of it's a it's a, it's a helpful well it, it is in a way but it, it doesn't make the decision you have to be able to tell the story to get people to who do make the decisions so you have to be able to tell a story if you want to be able to get into this little thing as well um especially if you're at an apprenticeship level you're going to be bombarded with vast data sets so to be able to sift through it to get whatever it is that you're trying to get that's that's important um i i like that response um because geospatial would be perceived um as being quite a technical discipline um and maybe people wouldn't anticipate having a more qualitative um artistic um message um that after you've even having mastered all these technical skills um of how to manage a database how to do you know analyses um yeah even after all of that you still have to be able to assemble a story um to transport that data yeah yeah in, in better words i mean I've, I've got a tongue twisted in that but that is that is the point um but then you do have to have a technical side you have to be able to be a bit of a problem solver especially if data sets are not coming in what you need <laughs> and that is most likely what's going to be happening with apprenticeships they'll be getting multiple different data sets um so to be able to be a bit sort of determined with it to to get to what you want it to be that's important but uh, yeah i think when it comes to data the main thing is that you're able to look at it and see the relationships and then to communicate that yes okay no that's a nice summary mm. great well, we got there. yeah um, we did get there we did there's, there's, there was obviously a, there's obviously a lot of other qualities that you would need in an apprenticeship but i think yeah, there's there's a good one to for me to just yeah i believe that one quite quite true no yeah that's a powerful message um and i'm, I'm yeah I, I like all of these episodes um end on this question um oh, cool yeah and i feel like we're building up a bit of a knowledge bank for people um from our industry passing on to the next generation so thanks for that message no, no problem i hope i haven't i haven't haven't copied anyone or anything <laughs> no no it's a new one Sweet. and it's fine to reinforce things too so great yes yeah, true you were talking about patterns so yes the apprentices exactly. listening to this can find those patterns yeah very true well it's awesome. great well i really enjoyed that <laughs>